Riding a heavy adventure bike down a steep dirt hill can be unnerving to say the least. Often the rear wheel locks up and the inevitable skid leads to a white knuckle ride to the bottom. That's if you manage to keep it upright. But using the correct method will allow the blood to flow back into your hands, give you control, making you a better, safer rider. Coming up on today's episode of Rider Skills. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. They've got 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. You can also sign up for their e-rider newsletter. It's free at www.maxbmw.com. Hi, I'm Sam Manning. I'm Phil. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Pat James. Trevor Trance. Nathan Millwood. Simon Payton. Coach Stroud. Sterling Noreen. Brad Johnson. Thank you. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. It's made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. And Best Rest is also the North American distributor for Google Tech Filters. Visit them online at www.cyclepump.com. That's cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any bag into a motorcycle luggage using a unique strapping system that's easy to use and switch from one bike to another. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding, and that has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com. Greenchiliadv.com. And now for another of Adventure Rider Radio's exclusive rider skill segments where we talk methods and ideas that can help improve your riding skills. Of course, this segment is not meant to be a substitute for professional training or an endorsement of any particular technique. These are ideas and concepts that if you choose to try, you are clearly doing so at your own risk. Today on Adventure Rider Radio's Rider Skills segment, it's all going downhill from here. And to teach us today, we've got Clinton Smout from Smart Adventures in Ontario, Canada. Clinton's been a motorcycle instructor for 25 years, and he is a certified BMW off-road trainer. Now, last time we talked to Clinton, he had us going uphill. He taught us the methods to ascend a hill, climb up to the top, and even recover if we didn't make it all the way. Well, since that time, you've been sitting at the top of the hill for, well, weeks now, I guess. So we decided it was time to get Clinton back to teach us the descent going downhill. Now, doing it correctly is easy, if you know how, and Clinton Smout is going to run us through the details, what to do, what not to do, and how to recover if we've done what was not to do. Something like that. Clinton, last time we talked about hill climbs starting on a hill, so I think it's fitting today we discuss going down the hill. Now, let me ask you, what's the toughest in your mind? Uphill 
or downhill? Uh, downhill has always been scarier for me. Mm. And I think a lot of our customers are a little nervous, are more nervous with the descent than the ascent. Going uphill, if you do have a little fall, gravity helps stop you. And there isn't really that much forward momentum once you live, leave the bike. You can just more or less tip over and the bike stops and you stop. Coming down the hill, the contrast is you've got rolling gravity momentum. The bike and you could continue down the hill for some distance and the bike may come searching for you if you park company. <laughs> Which is the last thing you want to have. And, and also, yeah. because you're braking going down the hill, you're almost pushing some things out of the way. Whereas when you go uphill, often you will shoot them out of the way, won't you, with yes. your rear tire? Exactly. They're behind you, not in front of you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes sense to me too. So, okay, let's set the scene. We're at the top of what appears to be a steep downhill dirt descent. Um, let's talk first uh, about the things that we should do before tackling the hill as we ride up and we realize there's a, there's a downhill here and it's considerable. Exactly. Uh, first of all, what we've always recommended is send your friend up the hill first. So that person is now going down the hill. It might require a little psychology on your part. You've got to beef them up a little bit and say, you know, Joe, you're a better rider than I am. Encourage Don't fall for it. Yeah. Yes. That's good. I like that. And that's that's a handy skill. Very good. The same as yes. for checking water depth and all those exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yep. So there's also perhaps you're on an, an adventure bike that has a lot of electronic interventions or inputs. For instance, if you have ABS, you want to shut that off for the downhill. If you have traction control, you probably have already shut it off or you wouldn't be up at the top of the steep hill. It wouldn't have made it. There's another one a lot of people don't think of. If you have electronic suspension adjustment on your bike, for instance, the BMW Zyride, I can just push a button and soften or harden the rear suspension. If it's a very rutted or rocky downhill, Stiff suspension will bounce the bike up in the air. So you want it softer to absorb the roots and the rocks that perhaps erosion has exposed. Mm. And when you say stiff, you're talking damping. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you put it on a stiff setting, which is sport mode on many GSs, then the suspension isn't going to be very forgiving when it hits the roots and rocks and it could bounce the bike up in the air, the rear tire. If the tire's in the air, it doesn't really matter what tread you have, does it? And it's going to go down the hill a little faster if it's not in contact with the ground. And some new riders may not realize what a difference the damping makes in the control of the motorcycle when it comes to something like this. So it is something you want to stop and think about. Exactly. What about the hill itself? Do you recommend getting off and and checking? This is almost a a stupid question, but do you actually recommend that everybody gets off and has a look at this hill before they run down? Yeah, and that's the benefit of sending your buddy up there first or your partner. You just listen to the sounds. Yeah, if they're screaming, (laughs) maybe don't go. But you can see what line they chose and if it was successful or not. The line up or down is incredibly important for an adventure bike because of its mass and weight. 
with hills, as soon as we take the grass away, when it rains, it creates erosion, depending on the soil content, soft or hard, with rocks or whatever. There could be huge ruts created by this erosion. So all the soft material is washed down the hill. So at the bottom, it's usually quite sandy. And what's left is the hard stuff that the water couldn't move. So that could be roots from trees, if there is trees beside the hill, or heavy rocks. Mm. And those ruts, if you get in them, it's like a streetcar track. You end up at the go station or the subway station. It's very hard to get out of those ruts when you're going up or down a hill, if they're deep. And then instead of being in control of the bike, you're trying to hold the bike up. Oh, exactly. You're on a streetcar now because mm-hmm. you're going to go wherever that rut takes you, which is always going to be downhill. Water will find the shortest, fastest route, but it may not be the one you want. So it's really important at the top of the hill not to look right in front of your tire because often those ruts will zig and zag down a slope depending on what material the water runs into. If it hits a little rock ledge, it's going to go to the right or left and chew up the softer material. So it's quite scary if you look right in front of your tire. A downhill is just flat ground on a bit of a tilt. So if we think of it that way, look all the way down the hill with the center of the eyeball focusing towards the bottom. That's our goal. And then work your way visually back up to just in front of your tire. That way you can pick a proper line and adjust your steering to get down the hill safely. It's always smart to check out anything that looks like it could be challenging. Up, down, sideways, mud. Yeah, I've parked my bike in British Columbia at the top of the hill and just walked down a little bit, especially if the hill turned in ledges where I can't see around it, I want to make sure that the trail continues. Uh, On a recent trip to the Yukon going down a hill, we encountered about a 60-meter section of the hill that disappeared through an avalanche. Um, If I had ridden to that tight ledge to that point, I'm not sure how I would have turned my bike around. So by walk, I walked down, stuck my head around the corner, and I I realized this is impassable. Even a trials rider couldn't have got through there. It was just a sheer drop and a big drop. Yeah, and it's one of those things that you can run into even on places that you know. As a matter of fact, that's probably one of those things that you can fall into. One of those problems you can fall into is by being familiar with an area and zipping down, in particular anywhere, like you're saying, where you have steep hills. Um, It's it's pretty unnerving when you go along a road or trail that you know and find. We find here sometimes where there's a massive hole, like a sinkhole, just appears in the middle of the trail. And you're thinking, wow, if I was two feet over, I would have been right into that. Exactly. And especially parts of the world that have flash floods, I'm thinking, you know, Arizona and uh, parts of Mexico I've been in where the pavement just ends and there's a four foot drop where the water has washed the road and the pavement completely away. Mm. And another benefit to always letting your friend go first. (laughs) 
I love the concept. Okay, so we're back. <laughs> we're back at the top of our hill. We're, we're about to descend. Yes. What, what's our general concept here? I mean, what, what are we trying to do with the bike to get down the hill? Well, we want to control the descent speed. That's absolute key. One option is to kind of close your eyes and pull the clutch in and pray. But that go-kart descent will be wildly out of control. Gravity alone will send it down there at way too fast a speed for safety. So what we recommend is practice on flat ground the concepts first. That is, if you imagine our motorcycle tilt down a hill, the weight transfer has gone on top of the front wheel. The rear suspension actually stands up or elongates. We're unweighting the back wheel. What I'm leading into is a good adventure rider, any motorcyclist, should get comfortable with front brake use on a descent, not rear brake. The Mm -hmm. rear brake will lock up and skid very easily because there's no weight on it. So because the bike is tilted downhill, we recommend your body stance should always be standing up or down a hill. That way we can adjust our steering with peg weighting. Also, we can shift our butt back. Hopefully, if it's a really steep hill and you did have a passenger, it might be safer for them to stroll down rather than ride down with you then your butt should be back at the back of the seat standing up because there's already tons of weight on the front wheel. We don't need more. Then what we practice on flat ground in first gear, two fingers over the clutch so we have the capability of slipping it a little if need be. Then, and this sounds crazy, but we get our customers to try this. As you're going along with the throttle on, the clutch is out in first gear, breathe on the front brake with one finger only. A progressive, smooth application of front brake, the front suspension will compress a little. Weight goes on to the contact patch of that front tire, giving it great traction, subsequently really good braking. And The goal of this flat riding front brake is to get to the point where you can stop the front wheel from rotating. You lock it up so ABS has to be off. And you see if you can go half a meter, then maybe a whole meter, where you're pushing the locked up front wheel with the clutch out and the throttle on. Now, it's not for the faint of heart, but again, you must be standing up If you feel the bike leaning and turning to the right, you lean heavily your body mass onto your left foot, and that helps control the steering. Another fantastic skill that you get from this is that sensitivity with your front finger on the front brake, sorry, the one finger. You sense when, with practice, the front tire is going to skid and slide out or wash out to the right or left. And then you get the muscle memory of, okay, I'm about to fall. Let go of the front brake. 
that skill is really helpful on a loose surface downhill. It's interesting how so many of these skills can be developed before you get into the situation. I mean, I love this. So we can, we can learn uh, or we can practice our skills and increase our skill level without actually being on the hill, without suffering the consequences of a problem going down the hill. Exactly. Most people on an adventure bike go too slow up a hill, but go too fast down the hill. And with skill and practice, you can get proficient at both. I think we mentioned before, on your uphill, you want enough momentum that you don't have to aggressively change the throttle to more throttle on the incline going up. If the front wheel is higher than the rear wheel and you pour on the throttle, these are big, powerful bikes, it's just going to chew that soft terrain, probably get stuck. You may not get up the hill. So that's why we need momentum on the approach. Once you crest the hill, and maybe there's an immediate downhill in a valley situation, that's when you scrub off speed on the flat before the front tire gets lower than the rear. You're in first gear, your butt's back, you're standing, you're assessing your line that you want to choose for the downhill and you breathe on that front brake. You can't grab it. Even with front, with one finger, you could be too abrupt and jerky with it and we're not pumping it. It's a, a very slight depression pulling on the front brake with one finger to scrub off speed. Now, if you get down to four or five kilometers an hour and the bike is chugging because your clutch is out, you're going to have to pull the clutch in a little bit, ride the clutch, feather the clutch so that the bike doesn't stall out on you. Because if it stalls, you're probably going to have to stop, put your foot down. Okay, so let's just, let me just recap this then. We're going down the hill with our bike in gear, first gear. We're going to be using our front brake and modulating it very, very carefully as we go down the hill. Um, what happens if we have to change our route? Let's say it's a hill where you're, you're heading down and you've actually got to move from one side to the other. What do we do with our braking then? Well, it's an advanced skill, but if your front tire is almost locked up, it's very hard to turn right or left. Mm-hmm. But um, in our level two BMW GS courses, we do this exact skill. We come down a hill and place a pylon maybe 15 meters from the bottom of the hill. And at that pylon, there's an instructor standing pointing to the right or to the left. And at that point, you have to turn 90 degrees, quite a sharp angle, but you're still on the slope. A lot of people fall there. The trick, get off the front brake, pull your clutch in and lock up the rear brake and do a little bit of a brake slide or hook turn. So the back end slides around because of the grade. It's very easy because of the slope. Once you've got the bike pointing the way you want, get off the brake, slip the clutch out carefully and continue reapplying the front brake if necessary. It's all fairly straightforward, really. Like, What's the toughest thing about the downhill run? 
I think it's getting used to putting the front brake on. Most people, including myself, for many, many years, I would just use the rear brake. It would lock up. Sometimes you end up picking up speed because the back wheel is just sliding down the hill. There might be some screaming coming from your helmet because there's not much you can do at that point. The clutch is in, the back wheel's locked up. You're just going to pick up momentum with gravity. Um, a, a good line that I use is it's much better to go from slow to slower. To go from fast to slow on a descent, you're asking for a crash. It's really hard to adjust your speed from 20 kilometers an hour to five. But if you're only doing eight, it's easy to get it to five with a little front brake. Are there times when you do drag the, the, the back wheel where you lock it up? Like if you're coming down a sandy hill, for instance? Absolutely. The loose, loose terrain, the front wheel's going to wash out and burrow and bury itself on a steep descent in deep sand or mud. So, yeah, absolutely. Drag the rear brake. And what happens with the ABS off is it'll lock up. And it's pushing a little mound or pile of material in front of the contact patch of the rear wheel. That helps slow us down. The problem with your ABS on is in loose, loose terrain, gravity's pushing the bike down. You jam on your brakes. ABS senses it's about to skid and it lets them go. What it feels like is that you have no brakes. Mm. It's terrifying. Oh, it's a little scary. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done it before where I thought my ABS was off. <laughs> and then, you know, they're screaming. Now, that's something to consider if all of your friends have a bike that's equipped with the feature of being able to shut the ABS off, but your bike isn't. Now, I'm not cutting them up. It's just the engineered design of some adventure bikes don't allow us to shut the ABS off. I think we've discussed this before. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Suzuki V-Strom, Yamaha Tenere. A lot of the Japanese adventure bikes, if they have ABS, you can't take it off. With the exception of the Africa Twin, you can shut the ABS off just on the rear brake. And this is a perfect example, the downhill on loose surface where we don't want ABS on the rear brake, on the rear wheel, sorry. But it works great for the front. Oh, fantastic. Now, if you have that bike where you can't shut the ABS off, but you've got a two-mile descent in the mountains to follow your friends who have European-engineered adventure bikes, maybe you shouldn't do that hill. Or you'd have to do what I've done a couple times is pull the fuse for the ABS pump. It's a little more work. You got to take the seat off and find it. But um, going down a hill with ABS on, it's a little scary and it could be dangerous. 
And we talked about this on the last episode, uh, another way to deal with this rather than pulling the fuse out, something that I've had to do before where you go down to the wheel, you take the bolt out for the sensor, for the ABS sensor, pull the sensor aside, zip tie it up so that it doesn't get bounced around or caught in anything and put the screw back in if it won't interfere with the wheel or or tuck it in your pocket. That will sort of fool the computer or at least um, mess the computer up for its initial check. It, It tries to check the wheels rotating, doesn't see the one wheel rotating, therefore it can't calculate anything and it shuts down the system. Yes. That's a good way to do it. It's non-intrusive. You're not having to pull a fuse. So if you're riding something like a V-Strom or any other bike that where you can't shut the ABS off and you're out for the weekend, it could be well worth your while to go through that procedure, zip tie it aside so that you can ride your bike without ABS interfering with your ride. Absolutely. You, you were mentioning the ABS on the front wheel for the um, Africa Twin. Africa Twin. Yeah. What, what about in your nearest situation where you actually need that to stop for whatever reason as you're going down, you know, it, particularly a technical rock hill where you um i can just to me I, I haven't tried it and this is why i'm asking because to me i, I still think it would be unnerving for me to go down it a is hill. a little mm-hmm. yeah it is unnerving jim what i did is we had a yamaha tenere at our school for a couple of years can't shut the abs off on the earliest models released in north america you could fool it by putting it on the center stand put it in second gear and fire it up. And the ABS computer says, why is one wheel sensor moving and one isn't? So it shut off the ABS and you had perfectly good hydraulic brakes. But to go through all that hassle, I thought, you know what, I'm going to try steep downhills with a bike with ABS on. And I've done it on the BMWs many times. It's very unnerving. It feels like you have no brakes. And it's hard to scrub off enough speed with ABS on to really feel in control. Now, that's coming from the muscle memory of doing many downhills with no ABS on older bikes before ABS was invented. And you get used to the feeling of the front brake just before threshold braking where it locks up. And it's very controllable with practice. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Stick around because we got a lot more coming up. We're going to talk about slides, rocks, and what your knees should be doing. Stay with us. Every time we do a rider's skills segment, it always makes me think about this when I go to speak about IMS Products, who sponsors the show, because it's one of those um, changes that you make on your bike that I think in a lot of cases you don't even realize you need it until you've done it or you don't realize the benefits of it or how much of a change it's going to be until you've done it because I've been through that. Um, I mean, I thought, you know, wider pegs are great, better quality pegs are great, but did I really need them? I didn't think so until I put them on my bike and it was like night and day. The moment I stood up the first day I rode out, the first time I rode out the driveway, I could immediately feel the difference. And, you know, ever since then, there's rarely a ride goes by where I don't sort of take notice uh, of the pegs and just sort of appreciate what they've done because to me it seems like a simple thing. It's easy to do on your bike and it's going to make a huge improvement for your riding, in particular if you get into technical stuff. So drop by, have a look what they've got. They've got a full line of adventure pegs for your bike, everything from super wide platforms to smaller ones. They've got a lot of unique features with them, including the fact that they're built to shed mud with what they call a watershed design. 
Um, there's so many other features with it. High quality steel made in the USA. And you know, here's a huge one. It's got a lifetime warranty. So you buy foot pegs, you get a lifetime warranty. Drop by their website, www.imsproducts.com. And anytime you're dealing with them, make sure you throw it in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, imsproducts.com. Oh, and just before we get back to Clinton and talk about the rest of our uh, descending on the hills, I just wanted to mention that um, we are signed up for Patron, and we've really built this show on a model of advertising and listener support to help make it work. And of course, the more listener support we get, the more we can do with the show. So bottom line, what I'm asking is consider supporting the show. Consider what you spend on a cup of coffee or a donut each day. Consider the, the pleasure you get from that and the pleasure you get from the show. And if you're into it, we would love it if you would drop by and become one of our patron supporters. Uh, drop by the website, www.adventureriderradio.com. Click on support. Thanks. The other um, little incident that we haven't spoke about yet with this is what happens if the rear wheel starts to come around on you? There are those situations where you've got some good connection on that front wheel. You're, you're slowing down properly, but the rear wheel starts to come around. Do we have a method for that? Yes. Scream first. That, that, that will usually happen without thought. Um, a couple of times. Now, it's not an intuitive skill. And most people will think the guy's nuts. But what I've actually had to done to straighten out my bike is give it a shot of throttle, get off the brake, slip the clutch all the way out, and just hit it for a millisecond. That will straighten the chassis and align the rear wheel with the front. Then repeat steps of ride the clutch a little, get back carefully onto the front brake, and uh, continue. Now, that doesn't work in all instances. If it's a really steep descent, I would question why we were there on an adventure bike to begin with. Mm -hmm. You should be on a horse that's trained to do it, not your motorcycle. But if you give it too much of a shot of throttle, now you're going way too fast and you're going to lose control because of that. So uh, sometimes without throttle and the back wheels locked up, maybe you've put too much rear brake on in that loose surface. Steer, just look over your headlight and point it where you want to go. It's hinged the back wheel to the front at the steering head. Eventually, it's going to come back around and join your direction you want to go. Let's talk a minute about dealing with a, a descent with large rocks on it. Now, you talked about, you know, when it rains, it, all the topsoil goes off and leaves these heavier rocks, which it explains, I'm sure many people can relate to that all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, I, mean, I always notice those big rocks at the top of the hill. And dealing with those, especially as they get into the larger one, you know, like cantaloupe size or maybe just under that size, they move, they roll around. Um, when you're braking heavily on the front wheel, as the wheel touches them, it tends to bounce off them or push them and roll them ahead in front of the wheel. What's our method for dealing with that? Yeah, I've been there. It's scary. Uh, one thing we've found is that if you're following someone else and they're still on the hill, when you dislodge these boulders and they roll down, they could damage the bike or the person. So it's probably best to wait on an uphill till your buddy's almost cresting the hill before you charge up. If you're right behind them, you're going to get rocks in, on your bike. And if they don't make it successfully, you shouldn't be on the hill right beside them. 
downhills are the same. But uh, the a good thing about obstacles like boulders or big roots, they're going to help slow your descent speed. But when they get really ugly and you can't go over them, you're butted up against them. That's the problem. So picking the proper line and controlling your speed really slowly so you can adjust your steering to go around the boulders if possible really helps. Mm. And then um, there's no shame in sitting down, putting both feet down and stopping and then slip the front brake out a little bit just to crawl down, get through the boulders and then once you're through the rougher stuff, get back up on the peg, slip the clutch, and ride the brake a little. Do you have a method for falling on the hill? Oh, I'm quite good at it. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean you personally. I mean, <laughs> do you recommend something? Would you feel you're going to go down? This is the best way to do it, or do we just let it happen? Yeah. Um, what I have ended up doing a couple times was always try to, if you're losing the back end and it's sliding around on you, your motorcycle gets perpendicular to the descent so it's it's sideways on the hill lean your body and the bike uphill dig in let's say your front wheel moves to the right you want your right foot peg to help slow your descent and fall uphill if you understand that mm -hmm. you don't want to go downhill of your bike and crash because it's coming after you and that could be a big injury so I'd always want to stay with the bike when I fall. And if I can, lean uphill, turn my wheel so that handlebar and foot peg digs in. But I want the handlebar higher up on the slope than the foot peg. Okay, so to wrap things up, can we just go back and talk about our body position, et cetera, as we start, our, our body position and, and controlling the bike coming down, um, and then just sort of brush over, again, the, uh, the practicing skills on the flat? Yeah, absolutely. Most people uh, would feel more comfortable sitting down. It's not an intuitive skill to stand up, but you're way better off standing up. A, you can adjust your steering with peg weight, peg steering. B, if you're standing and you go over those rocks and roots, it's bumpy, it has less impact on the spine. Subsequently, you stay in better control because you're going to use your body suspension, which is knees and elbows. Also standing, you get better vision from that elevation on picking a proper line. So standing's a key. Let me just jump in there when it comes to standing, yeah. because we talk about this a fair bit on the show at different yeah. times about standing up. Um, and part of it is the bike is more dynamic when you're standing up, isn't it? By, by separating you from the motorcycle and, and building sort of a suspension between the two, your legs and your arms, the bike is, is able to flick back and forth, move more Absolutely. and adjust it to, to, to the terrain. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Engineers spend a lot of time doing mass centralization. The bike handles better if the weight is around the foot pegs. That's why I'm not a big fan of top cases with a case of beer in it. It's a stupid place to put weight because it's so far away from the center of mass, the foot peg area, that it destabilizes balance and control. Or you see the person with their tent and sleeping bag strapped onto the front fender, really idiotic. 
take your truck if you can't figure out a better place to put weight. It's a really bad place to put something. So standing, our center of mass and our balance goes down to your feet. If you're seating, you're sit, sitting down on the seat, then it transfers to the level of the seat on the bike. So it's much harder to handle. And I think a lot of people will argue it'll, it'll be semantics at this point because I know some people talk about center mass and center of gravity and there's yes. a lot of arguments. But the fact of the matter is it works. You know, it, to, by it standing up and separating yourself from the bike, the bike can move around. You can stay in relatively one position and suspend yourself and it works. We know this. Yeah, definitely. But it doesn't come as an easy thing to do the first week you buy your adventure bike. Most people on an adventure bike have ridden many other kinds of motorcycles, cruisers, sport bikes, touring bikes, whatever. You don't stand up much on those, maybe to go over a speed bump or something. But adventure bikes, um, we stand up a lot. If customers struggle with that, we take their seats off. We fix them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. We don't do that. So I, I, I've sort of interrupted this. So we're at the top of the hill. We're standing up. That's as far as we got. Absolutely. Now, uh, another benefit of standing is I can put my weight back. So you stretch your arms out because normally you ride with elbows up and a bent arm. That's part of your suspension. For downhill, we want our mass back because there's already tons of weight just because of the angle on the front wheel. Then eyes are up looking where you want to go. Absolutely essential is two fingers resting on the clutch. We don't put four fingers on a lever on off-road bikes because you're only hanging on then with the palm of your hand and the thumb. Now, I know a lot of street bike safety instructors, as I was for 25 years, they profess all four fingers on the lever. Well, that curriculum was written 30 years ago for novices, where on drum brakes, you needed all four fingers, especially once you heated them up. Modern hydraulic systems, double calipers, four-piston brakes, six-piston, you only need one finger or two at most. The clutch we ride with two fingers because it's good recovery. On uphills or going through sand, if the bike starts pointing a direction we don't want, pull the clutch in for a millisecond straighten the steering, and then feed it back out. For downhills, two fingers over the clutch, as I mentioned, is essential because if we're using the front brake to scrub off speed, you'll get to the point where the engine's chugging with deceleration from a brake. If the clutch is out, eventually the bike just stalls unless you slip it in a little. That takes some experience to learn how to modulate it because we still want our third braking system hooked up, which is engine braking. Now, what about our knees? Where are our knees when we're doing this? Oh, good point. Shaking, probably. But squeeze the motorcycle as tight as you can, depending on your leg length. Um, I have long legs, which is a blessing sometimes on adventure bikes because they're so tall. My knees are actually just above the seat when I'm standing. On other people... Grip the bike with the boots, legs, and knees tightly. Our lower body should be tight to the bike, which allows our upper body to be loose. 
Keith Code, a famous American road racer, wrote a book called Twist of the Wrist. Uh, and for modern people, he has a, a video or DVD now. And one thing I remembered from the book was you should have floppy elbows going into a corner on a racetrack or down a hill on an adventure bike. You should be able to flap your elbows in the air. That means your hands have a loose grip on your handlebars. If you're white knuckling the bars because you're scared going the downhill, then that tension goes up through the upper body into the shoulders, into the neck, and you're not loose on the bike. You can't move with the horse. Visualize a jockey going over jumps and steeplechase or even a jockey racing. They're moving with the horse because they're fluid and loose. When the bike's bouncing around under you, if you're white knuckle, eagle clawed on the grips on the downhill, it'll buck you off pretty easy. You're not one with the bike. And the knees are what's giving us the control when we're going downhill. Absolutely. We're standing there, our knees are put in there, and that's what's holding us to the bike. And then our, our elbows are able to flop around and we're able to relax and steer. Exactly. If you think of older conventional styled motorcycles, they all had rubber in the gas tank. That was for your knees to grip, get good traction on the bike. So you have a tight lower body, but loose upper body. Whatever happened to that? I mean, we've, we've got adventure bikes. And for some reason, there's, it seems like every adventure bike has different panels there. So your knees are actually going across seams, of course, depending on how long your legs are. But there never seems to be a good pad there. No, it's true. Um, some people will put the small rubber pad to protect the paint from the zipper on your jacket. But I think part of it is uh, the GSA is one of my favorite bikes. It's got a 30-liter tank. That's a huge, bulbous gas tank in front of your knees. It'd be hard if it wasn't tapered back towards the seat to grip tightly. But some rubber there would really help. Mm-hmm. A lot of off-road um adventure pants will have leather on the inside of the knee and that's part of its functionality is to give you good grip there Mm, a testament to how important it actually is yes so for practice now for the listener to go out and practice you did run through it already the flat practice if you just want to recap that yes yeah um this whole front brake going down a hill was a new concept to me eight or nine years ago I was invited to take a BMW instructor course uh, by BMW Canada. And the nice German fellow that taught it is probably one of the best riders I've ever met. His name was Tom Wolf, and they call him Hair GS. I'm sure you've heard of him. He took his glove off at the bottom of our hill, and he would put his hand on our rear brake. If he felt any heat... He would yell, which he did at me a few times, schmout, again, no no rear brake. They wanted us to believe in the power of front brake control on a steep hill. So I'm a believer after doing it 20 times during my training. But that's a hard concept for most people. They think you're going to go over the handlebars. So practice it in first gear on gravel, on flat ground. Get comfortable with slowing down and scrubbing speed with front brake one finger only. 
then you can transfer it to a gentle slope. You don't need to go down a mountain precipice to practice this. Very gentle. Work up to it gradually. Now, um, you were saying that, that when you first explained this as well, you should do the same body position, really, to get yourself in the mode of doing this. In other words, we're standing up, we've got our butt back. Absolutely. And it really helps because if you're hanging over the front handlebars, standing up and do front brake aggressively, you will go over the bars because it's going to get phenomenal traction. On smaller bikes, 250s, at motocross camps, we would teach kids how to do stoppies. Because in racing, if I can wait to put the brake on a little later than you, I'm going to pass you and then get to the corner and I can block you. And I'm in front now. So we taught threshold braking, which is putting on the front brake aggressively with almost like a push-up maneuver of our hands. And when that front tire gets really good grip, the back wheel will come straight up in the air. The key thing is to remember to let go of the brake or (laughs) you'll feel a little tap on the back of your helmet, which is the seat. This is not advice you're giving for adventure riders, adventure motorcyclists, or it's, street riders. That's re- that's really an, uh, a highly aggressive skill. I've done it a couple times with really good traction and a good tire on an adventure bike, but boy, it's a lot of work. Mm. It's beyond my riding skills to do it all the time. But the concept is there that you can get 100% braking power from the front brake it provides way more than the rear wheel. But we don't need that power. We just want to scrub off uh, speed with one finger. Well, I guess it's time to get out there and practice and then tackle some hills. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go with a friend. Otherwise, there could be weeds coming up through you when some rider comes along. Or take a spot meter if you're out. I know a lot of people that ride because they have time off during the week and they ride off-road by themselves. I think it's risky if you're doing aggressive trails or any kind of speed if you don't have some kind of a way to connect to a satellite because in my the areas I ride, we don't have very good cell phone coverage sometimes. So I would always recommend have a way to get in touch with somebody. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, some sort of emergency system, the satellite uh, SOS transmitter, yeah. um, whatever your choice is. Well, that's great. Clinton, once again, thank you very much. My pleasure. All the best, Jim. We've been up the hill, and now we're back down. More rider skills from you from Adventure Rider Radio. Clinton Smout is from Smart Adventures in Ontario, Canada, running out of the Horseshoe Resort. You can find out more about Clinton and what he does at www.smartadventures.ca. And, of course, that link will be in the show notes.
This episode was made possible in part by Max BMW at maxbmw.com, Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com, MotoBreeze Chain Oilers at motobreeze.com, Green Chili Adventure Gear at greenchiliadv.com. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to Elizabeth, our producer. Um, that's Elizabeth Martin, our producer, who also produces uh, another show that we have called Beyond the Shadow. If you're into podcasts and you like, uh, or you're interested in mystery and crime, check it out. There's a link on our website, or you can just search for Beyond the Shadow Podcast. It's beyondashadow.org, I believe, is the website. Anyway, it's time to get out there and ride your bike. I hope you take some of these skills that you've learned on our Rider Skills program and apply them. Get out there and practice what Clinton gave you and see what you can do with your bike now. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Thanks for listening. See you next week. This is Nathan Millward. You're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs>